We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you for the gift of Christ. We thank you for the gift of life and that more abundantly. And we thank you for the gift of salvation by which your divine holy righteousness can be ours as well, by which you cleanse us and cure us of sin and heal us from death and seal us for life. O night divine indeed, O God divine, O holy night, O holy God, hallowed be your name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Maligayam Pasco. Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. Greet one another, if you would, while you take your seat. And for those who are streaming with us live online tonight, or who are watching this message via recording, perhaps later tonight, Christmas Day, or at some future point, we welcome you as well. And we welcome you in the spirit of Christmas Eve, of Christmas time, of a very Merry Christmas indeed. It's December 24th right here at PCFLA this evening, and we are going to have our candle lighting service right now. So I'm going to share with you just very briefly some announcements about what's coming up in the immediate days and times ahead, and then we are going to receive tithes and offerings tonight. I'll share a, a, a brief message with you about a focus for us tonight, about a time of peace and patience in a silent night, and the reward that comes for waiting. And then we are going to light candles together. So you should have, my brothers and sisters, a candle something like this in your, in your hand. If you don't have a candle like this, raise your hand and one shall be brought to you. For you at home, we won't be able to, uh, we can't do this through the internet yet. We can't quite light a fire physically. But we believe that the fire of the Holy Spirit will carry light from us to you, from you to us, most of all from Him to all of us. It's really the Holy Spirit who ignites the light that we are celebrating tonight. So for you that are streaming, that are watching, even via recording, if you have a candle and you want to light yours as well, maybe you have others joined together with you in your home or wherever you are gathered, you could share that light from one candle to another if you have it. And if you're not prepared to do that, that's all right. But we hope that you will take the time during our closing moments in tonight's uh, service, for those of you that are streaming or are elsewhere, to make it a time of prayer, uh, a, a time of worship. We will be singing the familiar Christmas carol song that inspires the title of tonight's teaching about patience in a silent night. We will be singing Silent Night. You also can sing. You also can light a light. You also can lift a prayer, and we invite you to prepare to do that later. Speaking of preparing, it's been a season of preparing. Advent is a season of waiting and preparing, and one of the things we've been preparing for is Christmas morning together, and we will be doing that in just a few hours. At 10.30 a.m. right here in the sanctuary, we will be celebrating Christmas morning together. I will be bringing a different message, a message about patience in a sudden flight, because you know, not long after Jesus was born, the Lord moved upon the heart of his family, particularly upon Joseph, and through a dream, Joseph was told both that there was a risk and that also 
there was a provision. The risk was a danger to the family because of evil in the world. The provision was from God, and it was safe passage and protection until an appointed time. So tomorrow morning, we'll be talking about patience in a sudden flight as we celebrate our God who guides and provides, who speaks, who cares, and who has a purpose for us that involves our patient perseverance. It'll be a good service tomorrow. We hope that you'll join us. It'll be a relatively brief service, just as tonight's shall be, so it'll afford you the opportunity as well to celebrate with family tomorrow also. But we look forward to congregating together Christmas morning. And of course, you can join us live online or also via recording through the internet recordings that we make available. There will not be Wednesday prayer meeting this coming Wednesday, December 28th. So our next Zoom prayer meeting uh, will be the following week, which I believe is January 4th. And that will be our first prayer meeting of the year, 7 p.m., normally every Wednesday. So just taking a break this week as we round out the year. Also, our spiritual gifts prayer group is something that you might want to be a part of. During these holiday weeks, we are not meeting, but starting in January, the first Saturday in January, January 7th, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we will begin our weekly meeting of the spiritual gifts prayer group. It's in what I like to think of as an upper room. It's in our PSOM room on the second floor right here at PCF. And we invite you to come and be a part of that prayer meeting. It's a time in which we focus on seeking the Spirit for revival. We're praying for revival. Revival in our lives, revival in our church, revival in our neighborhood, in Filipino town, in Los Angeles, in California, in the U.S., in the Philippines, in every nation of the globe. We're praying for revival in 2023. Come be a part of that. We're praying and seeking for the things of the Lord the words that he wants to give, the insight into his scriptures, the healing that is needed, the deliverance that is needed, the fullness of the spirit that is needed, the guidance of the spirit that is needed, the fullness of the gifts. That's part of our time every Saturday morning, starting again January 7th. Please join us. If you can't come every week, just come one week and be a part of that prayer. We also lift up requests and pray for one another and share as the Lord gives us utterance. In just a moment, we're going to be taking our offering. For those of you that are streaming or at home, you can also give online. On the uh, website, mypcf.org backslash give will take you directly to the landing page, or you can simply look for uh, the giving section on our drop-down menu, and you can give securely. You can give via PayPal or uh, through PushPay, two of our partners, and that income comes directly to the church for the purposes of the Lord and for the sustaining of this ministry. We thank you for your giving. And as the year comes to a close, you may consider a special gift to PCF that will enable you also to take an additional deduction on your 2022 tax return, provided you give that gift buyer before December 31st. Pray about that, will you? And see how the Lord prompts you. If you're a guest with us today, we're not asking anything from you. We are grateful to receive anything the Lord would put on your heart to give, but we want you most of all to feel as a guest with us. But for members of the family, we appreciate your faithfulness to give. Let's pray over our tithes and offerings right now, and then I invite you to bring them to the platters that are before you. Father, we thank you that all provision comes from you. Anytime and every time that we have a need, we also have a giver, you, Lord. You give in order to meet our every need. 
And we thank you, Lord, that when we have a need and we don't see where the provision is coming from, we don't need to see it to know and believe that you have it in store for us. We thank you for how you have provided. We thank you for how you will provide. And we give thanks now with our tithes and offerings, Lord. May these monies and donations brought into your storehouse be multiplied for your purposes and may blessing be multiplied back to those who give with a cheerful heart in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. It's Christmas Eve. I don't know how silent of a night Christmas Eve actually ends up being. <laughs> From here, my family and I are going to a gathering of the larger family all together, and it will not be silent, I can tell you that. It will be fun and joyous. There will be eating. There will be unwrapping of gifts. There will be games. There will be ugly sweaters and perhaps some prizes, but I don't think there will be much silence. But you and I, we will have a moment of silence before this service concludes. And I encourage all of you to find a time not only in this service, but sometime in the next 24 hours to have another silent moment with the Lord. In the midst of all the hustle and bustle, in the midst of all the preparations and the waiting, there is something to be found in sitting in the silence of the Lord and listening for his voice. It's really in that place of listening to the Lord, of listening for the Lord, that we often experience in our waiting upon the Lord the result of that waiting, what I would like to call the reward of waiting. Now, my reward for waiting for my slides to come up is that I'm going to see them in just a moment. And as I do, I'll be able to share that with you. But tonight's message is the culmination of our season of waiting, the Advent season, which is historically, traditionally, a period of spiritual preparation in which we anticipate not only the celebration of the coming of Christ at that first Christmas, but also the coming of Christ again into our hearts every year in this season of celebration and into our world at some point in the future that Jesus has told us to be ready and prepared for. Christ comes to this world, and Christmas celebrates that coming and teaches us about patience. Patience to await the appointed time. Now, in fact, the subject of tonight's teaching is found in Luke chapter 2, and it doesn't really deal with the night of Jesus' birth, if indeed Nighttime was his birth, it would appear to be, because the shepherds heard from the angels in the night. It deals with the days immediately following that. But the silence that I want to focus on tonight can be thought of in several ways. One of them is the silence that I've called for just a few minutes ago, a silence of spiritual attention, the silence of listening for the Lord, we are going to be looking at several people in this section of Scripture tonight who all were clearly listening for the Lord. And in fact, tomorrow on Christmas morning, 
when we look at the Holy Family and see how Joseph led his family, including baby Jesus, in the early days and the early times after the birth of Jesus, we see very clearly that Joseph was listening for the Lord. That requires a kind of silence. It requires silencing the other voices around us and within us and focusing on God. So that's one kind of silence, the spiritual focus on the Lord. It's the kind of silence in which Samuel, remember the little prophet boy growing up in the temple? It's the kind of silence that he experienced when he heard the voice of the Lord calling him by name. He heard and he listened and he obeyed. The other kind of silence that we can think of is when we are listening for the Lord and we don't hear his voice. Have you ever been in that situation? You are not alone. If you have it in your heart and it's a part of your habit as a disciple to listen for the voice of the Lord, and there are times, maybe even seasons, seasons of waiting, in which you are listening, but he doesn't seem to be speaking, in which heaven is silent, then that kind of silence is what I want to talk about tonight too. Because there's a need for patience in that silence. There's a need to trust God even when you don't know exactly what he's saying. It's okay not to know exactly what he's saying. You might say, it's not okay with me. I want to know, and I want to know right now. But I'm here to tell you, it is all right as long as you don't lose trust in God, as long as you don't lose faith in God. God will speak at the right time. God will help you to hear if you truly desire to hear him. And sometimes what God is giving you is a gift. In the gift, in that time of silence, he's giving you the gift of patience. Finally, there's another kind of silence. And that kind of silence has to do with reverence, with holiness. It's really the silent night that we sing about. And it has to do with the reward of waiting. It has to do with when you come to that place, and very often I've experienced it on a Christmas night, 24 hours from now, I hope to be in that place, where you settle back after a long day of many joys, of many celebrations, of the experience of expressing and showing love and receiving the same from family and friends around you, and maybe most of all, of sensing in the silence at the end of the day, a real satisfaction. Not so much, I got every gift that I was hoping for this year. That's kind of the, the, the joy that a child looks for, right? Did I get everything on my wish list? But rather, realizing everything that I have is more than I could hope for. In other words, not so much the joy of getting everything that you want, but instead of realizing the joy of what you already have. The peace of knowing that in God, you have more than you could ever ask for. Amen. More than you could ever ask, hope, or think. And that anything that you don't presently have, or anything that you have and you don't want, any hardship, any challenge, any trouble, like Joseph will face in tomorrow's message, you know that that's all right. 
because you have peace. Because in the turmoil of that problem, there is a place of spiritual silence in which God is saying, in the sense, it's already answered. It's already solved in me. Amen. That's the kind of silent, patient, peaceful trust that I hope you and I would experience in the Lord tonight. It's the reward that comes to the faithful who know that God is good no matter what. So three people that we'll look at tonight who experienced the reward of waiting. There were times in which they were focused on the Lord. And in fact, what we will see is those were the days of their lives, to quote a title. In other words, at all times, they were listening for the Lord. And there were times when in their listening, they were called to wait and wait for a long time, like Simeon did. There were times when, when the Lord spoke, the word of the Lord was something that might not have seemed very encouraging. It might have, in fact, seemed confusing or confounding, such as Mary experienced at multiple times in the Nativity story. And there were also times in which, after a long life of living with a very specific kind of purpose, there was a reward that came unexpectedly and delightedly in the first Christmas, such as for the woman, the prophetess, named Anna. So with Simeon, we'll talk about the light of revelation that came to him in the spirit. With Mary, we'll talk about the heart of wonder. And with Anna, a life of purpose. Will you say those three things? A light of revelation, a heart of wonder, and a life of purpose. May it be that this Christmas Eve, that this Christmas time, you also would receive the light of the Lord's revelation, that you also would feel beating within you a heart of wonder, that you also would encounter and understand in Christ Jesus a life of profound purpose. Amen? So Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 32, tells us the story of Simeon and a light of revelation. On the eighth day, that is the eighth day following Jesus' birth. So Jesus is eight days old, and according to the scriptures, that is the time in which male children are to be circumcised and given their name and dedicated at the temple. And so he was given the name Jesus, just as the angel had told to the parents that he would be called Jesus, which, as you'll remember, means salvation comes from God or God saves this was the name that had been foretold for him even before he was conceived in the womb of Mary by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they traveled the distance from Bethlehem where they were staying to Jerusalem to where the temple was to perform these rites and to do so at the appointed time. Notice how the gospel writer here, which is Luke, a later partner of Paul and a missionary in the early church, makes it very uh, clear to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that all of these things, as has been the case throughout all the Christmas stories so far in the scripture, are happening at precise and appointed times. But they're progressive. 
Everything doesn't happen at once. Something is being worked out. On the day that Jesus was born, on that very night, the angels came to the shepherds and said, today in the city of David, a savior is born for you. Go now and see him. And we talked about the hurry that the shepherds experienced, a patient kind of hurry in which they went right then because it was the time. Now eight days have passed and it's time for the next step. See, the Lord is always working things forward in our lives. And the more that we are in step with him, the more we'll be on time with his perfect timing and the progression of his perfect plan and purposes in those steps. Now, this is an exciting part of the tale because not only are we in tune with the Lord when we are listening for him and following him, but he puts us into tune with one another. He harmonizes our hearts with each other. He makes my waiting and your waiting purposeful together in ways that we might not have even imagined. I'm talking about people in the body of Christ, people who are part of the family of God, who are woven together in terms of life and purpose by the Spirit of the Lord in ways that none of us could orchestrate. Only God can do all of this. But we can align with it in our unity we can align with God's purposes. By listening to the Lord, we also find special purpose with one another. There was a man at that time called Simeon who was righteous and devout. It's the same kind of description that the gospel writer, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave to describe uh, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, whose story we're told in the prior chapter. In other words, another point that the scripture is telling us about the Christmas story is as people live their lives according to God's word and according to his righteousness, the purpose of their lives is fulfilled in the right time. But it involves waiting. Simeon was waiting for what the scripture here calls the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was waiting for the arrival of the Savior. You see, Simeon is a model for us. He was a person who didn't know when the Messiah would come, but he believed the promise of the word. A savior will come for God. He saw the problems of the world. He saw the problems of his nation. He knew the troubles of human hearts, but he also knew the goodness of God's. And so he was focused on that and he was waiting. And God had given him a specific promise. Sometime in that devotional silence, that a true disciple of the Lord will grant to the Lord with regularity in their lives. Sometime in one of those silent moments, perhaps in a silent night of prayer, the Spirit of the Lord had spoken to Simeon and said, you will not die before you see the Savior with your own eyes. There's not a verse in Scripture that says, Simeon, you will see the Savior with your own eyes. This is an example of how God does speak directly to his people by his Spirit. But it's important that you know the word, because how will you recognize the voice of the Lord? And how will you know whether what you're hearing aligns with what God regularly is saying unless you know the word? And how will you be wise in the ways of the word unless you have a teacher, unless you have a pastor, unless you have mentors? And how will you be able to sharpen others in that unless you're connected to the body of Christ? In other words, we're not talking about going off 
and being some kind of lone ranger of uh, spiritual mysticism in which you hear things from God that nobody else hears and nobody else can affirm, and you say, I know this is what God's got for me. That's a real dangerous path to be following. But if you're connected to the body the way Simeon was, if you're regularly engaged in the rituals of worship the way Simeon was, regularly in the temple, regularly in the scriptures, committed to the authority of people over him. That's what it means when it says he was righteous and devout. He would have been humble. He would have been a regular reader and hearer of the word and doer of the word. He would have been a man of prayer and a man attentive to the things of the spirit. If you would be like that as well, if I, then we can hear things from God that are very personal for us also. But it put a certain burden on Simeon because time was going by. How long was it that passed between the time in which Simeon first heard that promise from the Lord and had a sense of conviction and assurance about it and when it actually occurred? We don't know. But what we do know is he was waiting. He was in a season of waiting with patient purpose and he believed what the Lord had said to him, just like Elizabeth believed and it happened just like Mary believed, and it happened, just like Joseph believed, and he was willing to take the risk and go the distance. So also Simeon believed. And on this day, this eighth day, the Spirit moved on him. He was listening and waiting on the Lord with such daily regularity that he was able to sense in the Spirit, today is the day to go to the temple. I don't know how the Spirit impressed that upon him, except that we are told he was moved in that fashion. So he went into the temple courts, and he was there. He was in the right place at the right time because he was listening for the Lord and waiting with patience. And in came baby Jesus in the arms of his parents. And Simeon, seeing him, took that child in his arms, took the Christ, into his own embrace. And praising God, he lifted up a song. This is one of four canticles of Luke. A canticle is a song or a poem. And in Luke, there are several places in which people in the the Christmas story are so moved by the Spirit that they proclaim by the Spirit these sorts of songs, these poetic praises to the Lord. Mary made such a declaration, and we looked at it earlier in the series. And so also did Zechariah, when he himself was rejoicing over the birth of his son, John the Baptist. The angels singing the glory in excelsis Deo to the shepherds are giving one of the canticles of Luke. And here is the fourth and final of Luke's canticles in the first two chapters of his gospel. It's known as the Nunc Dimittis. It's Latin. And it has to do with the first phrase in Latin in which Simeon is saying, now I may depart. Now your servant may depart in peace. Sovereign Lord, you promised. What was it that God promised him? You won't die before you see the Savior. Simeon was an older gentleman. In fact, it may very well be that he was feeling concern that his life might end before he would see the Savior. And maybe he was feeling weary, holding on. And now he says, now I have the peace, the peace to let go, 
because in my arms is the one, the one who will save. I am holding the one who will hold me. I am cradling the one who will cradle me. You may now dismiss your servant in peace, Lord, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Do you want to see by faith and not just by sight? Do you want to have revelation and understanding from God? It's found in Jesus Christ. The baby born in Bethlehem is the one who can shine the light of revelation for you and I. Simeon had waited patiently for the Lord to fulfill his personal promise to his faithful servant. And he had listened obediently even that very day to God's promptings that led him into the temple courts and to that encounter with the Holy Family. God will reward your patience too. If you've been waiting for something that God has promised and you feel that you've been waiting a long time and you might be concerned that the far side of that promise doesn't seem to have come before the far side of whatever the limit is that you can see, stop looking at it from the perspective of the flesh and start trusting in the Spirit. And if you're in that place where heaven seems to be silent, remember the reward for your waiting in that silence, still trusting God, is that you also will receive revelation from the Lord at the right time as you continue to cradle His Word in your heart. This Christmas, allow God's light to fill your heart by reading His Word. Take some time to read this scripture this Christmas day this Christmas week, and let God's peace guide your way and fill your words with his words. And let him fill your heart with all of his wonders. You see, once Simeon had this assurance that he was holding the Savior, he also had a fullness of spirit by which he was able to prophesy. Not only the nunc dimittis, his poetic song of praise, but his, straight, his statement to Mary that came next. While all of this was happening, Joseph and Mary are marveling at the things that were being said about their son. Even though they have heard from the Lord, they are receiving confirmation. You see how important it is for you to be following the Lord? Because the Lord could use you to confirm something for someone else. And you might not think that you have anything to say to people like Joseph and Mary. And you might think that they already have heard everything they need to hear. After all, they've heard from angels. And they've already seen the testimony of the shepherds. But you know what? People are people. And the confirmation you receive one day is encouraging. But the next day, you might feel like, I need some more confirmation. <laughs> I need some more assurance. And even if you don't feel that you need it, you, went, you could very well be blessed to receive it. So the point is this. As you follow the Lord, the Lord can use you in the lives of others in ways that far surpass your expectation about what you yourself could do because it's not just you. It's Christ in you, and that's the hope of glory. This child, said Simeon to Mary and to the father, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You see, that spirit of revelation is still shining in this moment. 
And a sword, he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your heart too. Now, this is not an easy statement to make. In fact, one imagines that you would need a sense of unction, a, a sense of anointing in the Holy Spirit to make such a statement. But aren't we grateful to God that Simeon makes the statement? And yet, how hard it must have been for Mary, especially, to hear these things, and for Joseph as well. All of them are amazed in this moment at what's transpiring. Joseph, Mary, and, Mary and Simeon are all amazed at what God has already done. And they're also wondering about what it means in terms of what God is speaking in that very moment through Simeon. And yet, even though not everything that God says is easy to understand, and even though not everything that God says is necessarily exactly what we think we want to hear, in fact, to go beyond that, even though not everything that is ahead of us is easy or exactly what we want to face, that there's a pathway in front of us that requires not just patience, but perseverance. That there's obstacles ahead. I know nobody wants to hear about that on Christmas Eve, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that. In fact, I don't want to pull back from that. I want to be like Simeon and say, Hallelujah, for every hardship that is ahead and every sword that will pierce your heart, there is a God who will heal your wound, who will meet your need, who will shine his light. Something is being worked out in our world by Christ. Will it be worked out in you? If you have a heart of wonder, that is to say, if you are willing to open your heart to even the burdens of the Lord, then no blessing will be withheld from you. Not everything ahead is easy, but be patient and be trusting because God is good. In fact, God's plan is wonderful. And that baby that was born, his name is wonderful. Mighty Counselor, Everlasting Father, Almighty God. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Savior victorious. This Christmas, whatever you're facing now, whatever you face in times to come, fix your heart on Christ. And let Jesus bring healing, hope, and wonder into your heart tonight. Because it's in Him that you and I find our real purpose. And a life of purpose is a gift beyond measure. There is no greater gift, really, than life. But life without purpose is no life at all. Whereas life with purpose, when that purpose is holy, when it comes from God, it makes life good no matter what else happens in that life, no matter what else opposes us, no matter what might try to hinder us. The goodness of God in his purpose is life and that more abundantly. Now there was a woman who had experienced a lot of hardship in her life and the way that her life went was not the way that most people would want. Her name was Anna and she was a prophetess. Here is a reminder to us that in the times before the apostles, there were prophets, just as there are prophets in times after the 12 apostles of Jesus too, and they're not all men. Here in the scriptures is a reminder that a woman, a widow, probably of very limited means and very long in years, elderly, aged, was also graced 
with the gift of prophecy by the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul said to you and to me, if we're followers of Jesus, that we ought to desire the gift of prophecy, not for pride's sake, not to try and lord it over people, but in order to be a light of God's revelation to the world around us, in order to experience a heart of wonder and to share the light of that with a world in need, in order to be people of purpose. Pray for the gift of prophecy. Pray to understand what it is that God is doing in your life and in our world in this season. Pray earnestly for that and wait upon the Lord with the expectation that your Father who knows what you have need of and knows what he desires and has called us to ask for this, he also will give it. Anna was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after they had married and she was probably married young. And then her husband died, and she was widow. It's unclear in the text whether the statement in Greek is saying that she lived as a widow for 84 years, or whether it was saying that she was 84 years old and had lived as a widow since seven years after her husband's uh, and her marriage. We don't know exactly. Suffice it to say, if I may be so blunt, she was old. <laughs> she was perhaps, well, she was at least 84 and perhaps older. And so, most of that time, she had lived as a widow. She never left the temple. In other words, every day she was in the temple. From morning to nighttime, she was fasting and praying. Here was someone who had dedicated her whole life to waiting on the Lord and listening and had probably experienced many silent nights in the temple, but she had also experienced the voice of the Lord speaking and she shared it, and that's what made her a prophet. And she saw this family. She heard Simeon speaking. And you see how one light, the light of the family, following the edict of God that says, bring your son in to be circumcised and dedicate him to the Lord, as the Old Testament requirements upon them were, they followed that, and they were a light to Simeon. And Simeon followed the prompting of the Spirit, and he was a light to them. And the words of Simeon are a light to us. And those words sparked Anna. And so just as we will see in just a moment, there is a progression of purpose as we share the light of the Lord from one person to the next. She came up to them, and she also gave thanks to God, and she spoke about the child because she recognized that he was the Savior, the Messiah. She spoke about him to everyone who was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, to everyone who desired God's redemption in the world and especially in his nation, Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord in the temple that day, they then returned to Galilee. They went back to their own town of Nazareth. Now here, Luke is collapsing the story for the sake of brevity, but Matthew is going to give us something that happens in the ellipsis, as it were, of this statement, which is, that they also have a period of time in Egypt. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. Patience in a sudden flight. Because they go to Egypt, and then out of Egypt, God calls his son, as his word declared. But ultimately, they end up in Nazareth, where Jesus grows up in his hometown. He becomes mature and strong and filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him and is on him still. And his grace he gives to you and I. He gives his grace and he calls us according to his purpose. Anna had purposed her life around worship of God. 
Let's you and I do the same. When she met Jesus, she made it her purpose to make him known to everyone around her. And because she was already fixed on God, she was able to recognize the Lord when he came to her. Jesus comes to you tonight. Do you recognize him? He's reaching his hand out to you and I to touch your heart of wonder, to light your light with revelation, to fill your life with purpose, and to reward your patience with his purpose. This Christmas, we center our lives around you, Lord Jesus. And we also ask that as we light these lights tonight, you would light the light of evangelism in each one of us, that we would share the good news, that there is hope for the disheartened and the downcast, that there is deliverance from depression and from addiction and from demonic habits and bondages and strongholds, from confusion and from despair. There's deliverance from debt. There's deliverance from disease. There's deliverance from divorce and broken relationships. There's restoration between parent and child, between brother and brother and sister and sister, between brothers and sisters, cousins and siblings. There's restoration in the body of Christ, in the house of the Lord, in your house. There's help in your workplace. There's hope in your heart. There's a savior of the world and his name is Jesus and he wants to forgive all of your sin and light your life with light of God. Not just at Christmas time, but every time, every day. But this night, this holy night, is a night when you and I remember that the light of God the Father is the very light that came into the world in His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that light is the one light that gives light to all people. It's the light of the Holy Spirit. These three are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. This one light will light all. What we are going to do now is light our lights. For those of you at home, you can take your candles and do something similar. I'm going to ask this, and it's going to require a little bit of movement on your part because everybody in the room is going to need to be at least within arm's length at one point of the person next to you. But from one light, you will receive light. So each person take your candle, and as your candle is lit, well, first, before your candle is lit, you hold it prone. So the person with the lit candle keeps it straight, and the person with the unlit candle turns theirs to the side. And then once it's lit, hold your candle upright. If you have children with you, help them. There will be a bit of wax that uh, can trickle down, so remember, keep your candle straight up once it's lit and use your wax holder to protect yourself. We're going to sing Silent Night, and I'm going to ask if those in the booth would also douse the uh, platform lights so that it's just candlelight lighting us now. Let's worship the Lord. <laughs> 